Blog Talk Radio. Showtime card definitely uh, was, you know, full of uh, interesting competing, competitive fights. It did seem like uh, Vargas was going to somewhat walk away with the victory, how that fight was going. But credit to Mag Sayo for knocking him down and getting right back in that fight, making that a very competitive fight. Chisora Pulev, um, you know, I'm not one to ever make a big stink about a competitive fight, it has to be like just the most boring fight. You know what I mean? Um, For me to really rip it, and I'll still probably say at least it was competitive, this was not a boring fight. That's not where I'm going with it. But, man, there was just – I don't know. I I thought it was very entertaining. You know, it was competitive, no doubt about it. But, man, there's just times where – it kind of felt like it was more competitive because both of them, since the first time it aged so much, Chisora seemingly, you know, thought to have aged more, <laughs> but not so much in this fight. Um, Pulev, according to the judges, didn't do enough to get the job done in the way of landing big punches. They favored Chisora's really body shots and overhand rights. So we'll we'll, we'll break that down, but man, I don't know, Chisora, you know, we hear about Deontay Wilder. Yeah, Deontay Wilder's like, nah, dude. You sit in that corner. I mean, in the second half of the fight, how many times did he sit in the corner? Literally, just sit in the corner. Sure, don't get me wrong, he'd land some overhand rights and stuff like that and throw, you know, nice body shots off the rope. I'm not saying that, but there'd be times where it's just like sitting on the rope, sitting in the corner, it just... You know, looking old and tired, you know. But, you know, Pulev wasn't taking advantage of always anyway, especially down, you know, the last uh, part of the, the fight. He didn't take advantage of it as much as he, as he should have, no doubt about that. So, to me, that was uh, – I could see some debate in the scorecards, in my mind. 
to be honest with you. Obviously, it was a split decision. I would have been just a draw. I do understand, and I get why Chisora won the fight, not just because, oh, he's at home or whatever, but, like, you know, he did seem to land more power punches. But that's not – we can't act like Polev was just, you know, like pushing his punches the whole time because he definitely wasn't pushing his punches the whole time. So I'll say this, though. In the corner, not stuck in the corner, trapped or on the ropes or whatever, like during rounds, I mean, just sort of like looked like he was going through hell. And obviously fighting is hell. You know, don't get me wrong, but he just looked – Faded, tired, gassed. I mean, credit to him to, to for, you know, winning this fight. Uh, but, yeah, I thought it was a little controversial, to be honest with you. Um, I'm not saying Pulev clearing away did enough to win the fight, but I'm not sure Chisora did that either. We'll talk about it. Figueroa and uh, Castro for wh- how long it lasted was, a you know, a competitive fight. Uh, we'll talk a little bit about that main event on Pro Box TV where the prospect got the win. Matrimov looked good, although <laughs> strange ending again in this fight. Uh, some Sometimes certain matchups are just jinxed uh, for what happens, uh, the, the ultimate outcome. And obviously, you know, you would assume that they're not going to do another one. You know what I mean? Because um, that would be like, all right, dude, this is getting a little silly now. I could see the first one, but you know, needing the rematch because of the ending, but I don't really care how it ended this time. Uh, Madrimov's better than Soto. That's just that's just facts. Now, as far as this weekend goes, we do have Ryan Garcia and Javier Fortuna um, on Saturday on the zone. You know, does Fortuna, who had his moments against Jojo Diaz, I know he, like, hurt his finger. I think he broke his finger in that fight or whatever, like midway, but uh, I don't know. I mean, he is awkward enough. We'll talk about that. Does he have enough pop? Uh, he's southpaw stance and all that. It'll be interesting to see if Javier Fortuna, just what's left of Javier Fortuna, to be honest with you. It's not like he's been the most active guy, but, but you know, could he present some issues? You know what I mean? I think it's possible. Uh, but we'll definitely break that down, um, you know, uh, later in the fight or later in the later in the fight. Maybe it will be later. Actually, I'd probably have to say it, it'd be earlier. You'd have to kind of get your stuff early if you're Fortuna uh, to be all the way in that fight. Uh, but it'll be interesting to see, you know, um, how another camp of Goosen went as well. I think that's always kind of a, you know, interesting item. Sorry, I'm just a little... Okay, sorry. A little distracted there. Okay. Um, also, Friday night, uh, Barboza's, Arnold Barboza Jr., who, uh, you know, kind of seemed like he was going to fight Teofimo Lopez, who just announced his fight, officially anyway. He's taking on uh, Danilito, um, which I think, you know, as basically like a, a, a fringe contender prospect type fight, two undefeated guys, you know, I think that's an interesting fight. I really do like, uh, I like that fight. I think that's an interesting fight, and that will, like, once again, that will be Friday. So, um, and I wonder if that's going to be behind an NBA uh, Summer League game or something like that. Um, Maybe that'll help uh, 
you know, push the ratings up a little bit. Right now we are kind of in, we're entering in the, uh, the dog days of summer. Once you get into mid to late July and August, a lot of people have, you know, a variety of stuff going on, whether it's weddings, whether it's just getting out of town, um, you know, going camping, you know, here outdoor stuff is really big. Uh, going to your cabin or your friend's cabin or renting a cabin or whatever, you know what I'm saying? Um, but, I, you know, I, I think it's a good fight. I, I do. I, I Obviously, I'd say, when I say fridge contender, I, I think Barboza's the contender. You know, I think that's fair. I, I would say he's, uh, you know, top 10 at 140. I think that's that's kind of a given. But, um, yeah, I don't know. I, I think it's an interesting matchup. Um and we'll see how that goes. Um, and then maybe we'll talk about a couple other items, you know, on the undercards and whatnot going on this weekend. Uh, two things that stand out of late for fight news. Um, the WBA recently called Gilberto Ramirez as a mandatory for Dimitri Bivol. Um, we know that uh, Gilberto has been needing a big fight for quite some time. Um, I mean, how many more fights can you have before you get a big challenge? You know what I mean? I'm not saying he hasn't had some challenges, you know, uh, the Jesse Hart and whatnot, but considering the amount of fights he has, um, he's due for a big fight. And I know Bivol, um, I know Eddie Hearn, who promotes Bivol, I know he was... uh, was it Boatze? He just I think he just made an offer to him. So we'll see where that goes. We'll give you some details as far as the timeline on that. Um, they're both on the zone. I know it's Golden Boy and Matchroom, but you'd assume that this would be the next fight because it's doubtful that he'll drop a belt over this just to be – I mean, would Eddie want to keep it in house so much? I mean, how much – I mean, I'm sure it'd draw a nice crowd, like a very nice crowd. Actually, now that I think about it, it wasn't the UK because people coming off a, of, you know, the Canelo win. So I think it would actually draw a nice crowd. Um, but we'll see. I, I think it's a good fight, though. I, I'm I'm cool with either fights, really. I wasn't mad at Buatzi the fight. I mean, obviously, Peter Biad is is the one in Bivol. That's the one we all want. But the business, uh, you know, is getting in the way of it at the pump at the moment. Now, this was some strange news, Um, I mean, in a sense, for boxing, right? You know, strange news is kind of a funny thing to say because, you know, it's full of strange news. But strangely enough, Sky Sports wins the the rights, the broadcast rights to to broadcast Music and Anthony Joshua, the rematch. As we know from Saudi Arabia, and that's the whole point. You know, we're kind of used to uh, maybe Las Vegas once in a while, you know, Jerry Jones for Cowboy Stadium will uh, outbid competitors. But Vegas usually, you know, pays the highest site fee. But this isn't just a site fee. You know, this is a broadcast deal as well. And we knew that, but it's just kind of strange for the zone to announce a lifetime deal, basically, um, for the rest of his career, or the second half of his career, like Eddie says, um, 
and then not to have this fight. I mean, this, as we know, this is such a critical fight in his career. If he loses this one, um, can he still create, you know, a, a large-ass gate in the U.K.? Of course he can. You know, I think people that, you know, assume he'll be done just because he doesn't have belts um, and nobody will, you know, care about him anymore. That won't be the case, but if he loses, you know, is Fury going to be like, well, let's fight him anyway? I mean, that's a lot of shtick to get. <laughs> it's a big fight still, no doubt. I mean, look at, like, if you look at, maybe we get Anthony Joshua and Wilder at some point in the next year or two, man. But um, it's just crazy because, you know, the the we hear about this $50 million per fight. If he loses and loses those belts, and gets knocked down a little bit in the division. Now, as a fan, like I said, I, I'm, a, I'm expecting him to lose, but sit there and discount him and say, oh, he's done. I don't even want to watch him anymore, nothing like that. But when you talk about, you know, Eddie Hearn loves to talk about losses of other people um, financially, and, and he's already kind of ringing the bell um, when it comes to, well they're, well, they're willing to take a loss, you know, Sky Sports. Uh, for getting this, the, the rights fee. But he's he's real nonchalant about it. Um, I think if, if the roles were reversed um, and Sky had just announced Anthony Joshua re-signed and, and he's got him for the rest of his career and then DeZone won it, I, I think he'd be, you know, <laughs> he would be making some hay on this one. It, it's funny to see him real nonchalant. Um, but I get it from his angle. It's just crazy to sit there and like, I don't know if 50, the, the rumored, I should say $50 million a fight. Does that count if he loses? Because if it does to pay him 50 mil a fight for, let's say even three or four more fights, that's a lot of money down the drain. Now I'm not saying they can't make some money back and people, like I said, for the zone, you know, um, Eddie did Sky Sports pay-per-views for lesser opponents or lesser matchups. If Anthony Joshua takes on, I hope it's not just Zora, but, you know, that would actually sell. That would sell, especially him coming off this win. But, of course, the Fury fight would be major, right? No doubt. Even coming off a loss. Uh, it would be weird, though for him not to fight Usyk in the fight. You know, it seems like Joshua would need to kind of get a win and get on the good foot, but who knows, you know? It's just, it's funny because now the pay-per-view market has changed. I think it's changed now. That's what Eddie Hearn says about pay-per-views when he's trying to guess what it will do. Um, he's all of a sudden saying, well, I think it's changed, man. I think it's, I think it is different now. You know, it's like, whoa, are you sure? Like, it's just, what do you mean it's different? Uh, there's not going to be as many of them. Is that what he means? Um, but, yeah, it, it's a really strange thing. And, and don't get me wrong. I understand them announcing it before it because to announce it after you've lost the rights for the fight is silly. And then it's even, you know, crazier and just almost, you know, unthinkable to announce a big deal with him if he were to lose in August. So I get why they went ahead of it, and clearly they wanted um, this fight, or they wanted, you know, they were this fight on the zone, of course, but um, 
it's just funky. You just rarely see, hey, man, we got this, deal, this, this guy signed. We're good to go for the rest of it. He's, he's going to be an ambassador for the brand and all that. And then at this stage of his career, by far his most important fight right now. It is a little while to have to admit. Anyway, um, if this is your first time listening to the Rope Dope Radio podcast, welcome. It streams live right here on blogtalkradio.com forward slash Rope Dope Radio. Um, you don't have to go to Blog Talk and Rope Dope if you don't if you don't want to listen to it there. Download the show there. You can find the platform on Apple Podcasts, iHeartRadio, Player FM, TuneIn, um, Amazon Music, Spricker, Stitcher, Google Podcast. I don't know. You can find them in a bunch of places while you're at it. Why don't you head on over to thegrowingtruth.com. And one more thing, if you're thinking about cutting the cord or you have, you're not quite happy, I got something for you. It's called Direct TV Stream. The prices start as low as $64.99. It's the best of live TV and on-demand, no annual contracts. No hidden fees if you upgrade to the choice package, that's $69.99. If you upgrade to the ultimate, that's $89.99. And that will include three months of HBO Max. Uh, also, Epic, Showtime, uh, Cinemax. That's all for three months. Um, and if you lock in that, that just the, the lowest package, that'll be good for uh, 12 months. Um, Showtime is, is – actually, there's a deal with Showtime and DirecTV right now. Um, it calls for three months for five fifty per month. That's direct TV stream. Okay, so like I said, um, I man, it, it's um, you know, why don't we start? Let's start. Let's let's just start with the Chisora fight. Well, you know, the better card clearly was Showtime. Um. It, all three, you know, it's back to that traditional triple header, right? Um, where it's just all three fights on paper were, were intriguing, and it turned that way, turned out that way, you know, in the ring. So, um, we'll we'll just kind of put that one on ice, and, and let's talk about, you know, the Chisorapulev. I did kind of go into detail with that already. And Similar to, let's say, what would be a fight that people could recognize easily? Uh, Leonard and Duran 3. Not the fight that, you know, the first one was, obviously. Um, they were both so much older now that it did kind of even it out compared to the second fight. Um, but you could see they were both faded, you know. And we assumed, we knew Chisora was faded and Pulev's old as it is. Now he had looked pretty decently of late, but not nothing that stands way out. So that's another reason why John and I were talking about this fight. As far as I just didn't feel all that confident at a winner. Now I picked Pulev by decision, um, but I wasn't confident because you know anytime you're you're even older than the guy you're fighting, you, you could fall off the ledge. Either of these guys could fall off the, the ledge and just, you know, father time showing his, you know, rearing his ugly face as he always does. And it kind of happened in this fight, to be honest with you. Um, it was really, really competitive, though. There's a couple of swing rounds in this fight, no doubt. 
I didn't think it was, uh, you know, I, I, I don't think anyone clearly, you know, like decisively won this fight. I know Chisora won. You know, the scorecards were closer in the first fight, whereas I thought Pulev, he won that fight pretty cleanly. I didn't think Chisora cleanly won this fight. Um, just kind of breaking down some of this, and then we'll go into, you know, a little bit more further detail on the variety of reasons why I wouldn't want to see him in there with Wilder, not at this stage, man. I mean, just right off the top, sitting on that rope, like I said earlier, like, if you're going to sit on that rope, Wilder's going to knock you out, dude. Because it's not like, I mean, how many times did Tyson Fury, who can dodge a punch and has pretty solid defense anyway, especially for a heavyweight and how big he is, right? Um, how many times did he sit on the rope in those fights? With, especially, like, without holding and, and roughing him up and doing damage on the inside, you know? Um, but I will give – the key to this fight was Chisora had to get on the inside, and he had to do it in a hurry. And he did. I'm talking in a hurry. Like right out of the jump, he got on the inside. He let punches go with that, you know, that free hand. And I noticed Pulev in the clinch was just not all that good. He was kind of leaving himself open. Sometimes he just had his hands kind of up and not clinching anything when someone's clinching you. And you're like, dude, you're just going to get hit. Like you can look at the ref, you can do whatever you want, but you're going to get hit, you know? Um, but yeah, right away he got on the inside, um, Second round, I did think the jab and, and, and hooks were probably enough to win for Pulev on the second round. The last maybe 60 seconds of that second round, a few right hands could have turned the table for some people, for Chisora. Um, third round was, I'd say, the first swing round for me. Once again, Chisora, with that body work, closed stronger in the round. But the, act- the early activity, round three was close. You know, I could see it going to Chisora, but it, but it was close. Pulev, I gave him the fourth. You know, early you had mostly the jab and body work from Chisora. But I thought um, the hooks that he landed late, and I mean he by Pulev, I thought he won the round off that. Um, fifth round, close round again, but I just thought the better shots were for Chisora. And I think overall, if you look at who landed the the harder shots, whether it's to the body or, or to the head, it probably was Chisora, you know. Um, but it seemed like at times they both could have worked a little bit more um, when they had the advantage. But then they'd kind of spark out the last, like, maybe 90 seconds, 60 seconds of a round and really give us some good two-way action. So they had moments of, like, kind of flashing back, you know, in their past or whatever, but – at times, I think the problem with Pulev is he didn't land enough power shots after. Well, he didn't land enough follow-up power shots after, and he pushed with his punches so much uh, throughout the fight. Um, there were times, though, that, you know, he definitely landed some really good shots. I thought the sixth round, uh, he won that round. It's just sort of, you know, he always has his own version of that peekaboo you know, Frazier style coming forward. He was really trying to duck a lot of shots and come forward. But like I said, the six-round um, jabs 
and, and a few right hands, just a little bit busier, so I did favor Pulev. But I, I would say I even wrote in my notes in the sixth round, he is starting to push his punches more, more and more. And I thought, once you do that, and even if you're landing, it, it, it just lends itself to, like, thinking, well, I mean, you're landing something, but it doesn't look like you're doing much damage, you know? Um, nice activity, especially early on in the seventh round, but I thought just sort of the bigger shots, those overhand rights. Back and forth, eighth round, uh, Chisora at times looked buzzed. Um, he looked gassed. He looked pretty tired, and this was right around the time, 8th, ninth, 10th, 11th, when it was like, and some guys are just going to look different, you know, in the corner than others when they're sitting there. You know what I mean? I mean, we have to acknowledge that. Uh, but Chisora just didn't look, like if you look at his face, it just looked like, man, I just got to get through this. I'm gassed, I'm this, I'm that. I'm not trying to take credit away from him because, like I said, he would open up with combos and win rounds and close stronger. But it's just seeing him now time after time of late, it just – at some point, you know, your punch resistance, just your fighting spirit, it's just going to drop out at some point. And that's why I don't want to see him against Wilder. But I think the the harder shots – you know, I think it's pretty obvious in the eighth round because it did look like Jasura was one of the few times he did actually. A couple times in this fight, he looked pretty buzzed. I think it was a nice uppercut that started out things. Um, you know, the ninth round, um, big right hands out the gate for Jasura. He's looking like he's going through hell in the corner, gets up, boom, lands some big, big shots. Was that enough to win the round? That's 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 a good debate. Um, I did think Pulev would land his own, like several of his own right hands, and he'd do this little step back and then land another one, step back, get at range, land another one. Uh, I thought it was pretty effective. Um, the overhand rights could have been better in the 10th round. I'm sorry, for, for Chisora. But the, his own jab and right, I, I don't know. I mean, like I said, I, I think that there's quite a few. I'm not saying five of them, but there's some swing rounds in this fight. And that's why I'm kind of like, well, whatever, you know. I mean, it is what it is. This wasn't a, I don't think it was a bad decision at all. That's not what I'm saying. But I didn't really see either guy. I didn't see Chisora 8-4. to four. I didn't see either guy. Um, I don't even think I can get pulled up seven rounds, if that makes sense. So I do get it. Eleventh um, round, Chisora. You know, he had his back on the ropes again in that round, but he did land some really solid shots, man. Um, and Pulov in the twelfth round, uppercuts, jab, hooks. Like I said, I had it right around six six. You know, six five one uh, for Chisora, but. Uh, the judges had one did have it one sixteen one twelve, which I didn't really. Eight to four, I didn't see at all. Um, and then eight to four the other way, which, like I said, I didn't see either. And then 116, 114, which are this from the U.K. It's kind of got a throwback seal to the cards. Um, I don't know. Um, it's <laughs> – I don't know, man. It, it, it's just uh, – oops, sorry. My bad. Um 
I mean, kudos for him winning this fight. I'll say that. The combination of the amount of, like, I hate to call them spurts, but, well, he, he kind of relied on the spurts, to be honest with you. And, and some of them were really effective spurts, and he would really go off, like I said, to the body, especially early, and then those overhand rights. Um, and he did make Pula miss a fair amount. Um, but I, I, I do not, I don't know how many times I can say this, but I just don't want to see him against Wilder. If they make the fight, it is what it is. Will it sell? Is Chisora, you know, a name that would, uh, some, uh, UK fight fans to come over and watch it? Sure. You know, to an extent anyway, but I'm not. Standing in the line to, you know, I'm not, I'm not really holding my breath on that one. I hope it's not. The, I, I understand, like, I get how there might be a path back for Wilder because of the damage he took in the last two fights, but especially this last fight because it's his most recent one, and he did have a long break after that second one with Fury. You know, would I be shocked if he announced a fight that was kind of like, hmm, all right, you know, you deserve one of these. And then where it's just more of a, well, we think he's going to win. It is what it is. You know, he took a lot of punishment. Let the guy come back and, and get a win under his belt and then get into a big fight. I mean, before you know it, like if he doesn't schedule a fight this fall, and even, well, I should say, even if he does schedule a fight this fall, it'll be a year that he's out of the ring maybe. So, you know, I wouldn't be shocked if he did, and maybe Chisora fits that bill. Um, you know, I'm just not a big fan of it. I think that, you know, he could seriously get hurt. Um, I, I just envision him sitting on that rope. And I can't say it enough. I think I've said it the third time now here. His whole demeanor and his whole being as a fighter in the corner when between rounds, down the stretch of that fight was almost like, dude, he, you know, it, I don't know. Like, I know I'm going to get some pushback for this because, well, how are you supposed to look when you're in a fight and all that? Well, I see a lot of fighters look different. You know what I mean? So I'm not, I would be the same way, but worse, right? I'd be in the living hell and showing it 100%. I'd probably show it on the way up. Most of us would on the walkout to the fight. But just go back and look at some of those, you know, some of those minute corner breaks. It it, it really looks like he's just – and the guy is full of courage, mentally strong as fuck, obviously. that That's my point. That's where I'm impressed because he's mentally pushing through it. Even at the end of it, at the end of the fight, there's – this close-up of them, and you're like, dude, I don't know. Maybe I'm overdoing this, but I, I just felt it throughout the whole fight. And, you know, but like I said, he, he, he got buzzed a couple times, and he was able to stay on his feet and then fire back with those overhand rights. So, um, and, you know, he was competitive. That's why I didn't want to count him out, and I didn't touch this fight, because even those, those both those Parker fights, he was competitive. And, and the way he got inside quickly – and use some of that rough stuff. You know, I, I, you know, I like what I saw that way. Um, so, yeah, we'll see. One or two fights, 
I think it was Tony Bell. You was like, don't, don't. Maybe Frotch, maybe both were like, don't, don't go after Wilder. Like I understand it's a big fight, but shit. I mean, honestly, go after AJ. If you're looking to get a big payday, see if AJ wins the fight. If he loses, take him on. You know, I mean, you've taken another some punishment, another fight here. You could use a little time off before you get a fight. I don't know. Either way, um, fighters like this just keep fighting, you know. Um, How many more can he sustain without, you know, damage down the line in his life? It's tough, man. It's always a tough subject to predict, you know, because some guys can just take punishment for years and, they don't slur their speech. I mean, the time they have between fights is obviously helping a lot more these days. But, you know, with, uh, you know, your whole, not just your body, all that stuff. Um, now, as far as the co-feature, Madrima in uh, Soto 2, um, I, I like the first round with a steady jab. He didn't leave his feet or anything like that. Um. Then he came, kind of added the left hook, um, and I, I, I like what he saw. I like what I saw at him really early on, um, and he landed. I mean, he buzzed Soro in that second round for sure. I think it was a left hook, maybe his overhand right that buzzed him. But then he went uh, with more left hooks, both to the head and body this time, and I was really like, okay. Now we're starting to see a more complete fighter. Third round, though, a few seconds into the round, head clash. Soto cut above the eye, looks pretty bad, bleeding a lot. Before you know it, it's a technical draw. The blood did kind of come quick, um, paused, and, you know, it was over. <laughs> it's just one of those fights. Boxing has a way of, like, thrilling you for, you know, a three-minute round and also just, like, what? What just happened? Oh, they got to stop the fight? Not in the middle of the fight. Like, I don't know too many people that were, like, really anticipating this fight. I did want to see. But what I anticipated and what had my interest in this was just how Madrimev would look in the in, in the rematch and, and some of the things that he would fix and do differently and whatnot. He was winning the first fight, no doubt, before that ending, but... I did want to see if he could be a little tighter, and, and I thought I thought that's what we got um, in a short, you know, sample size, obviously. But now it's time for Madrimov to to you know to move on. And there's a lot of fights at 154. Um, how many are available to him um, without having to you know do business with Al Heyman and the PBC? Now, once again, Madrimov, Eddie Hearn. Um, you know, uh, could they just, you know, take a decent fight or a you know pretty quality opponent? Because he doesn't have a lot of quality opponents. Because shit, you know, he doesn't have many fights. So it, I think you still have some time to become try to become the mandatory, um, and you know have him call and all that. So and I don't think that's next. You know, so then they could drop a belt, yada yada yada. Not that I'm saying I don't want to see Madrimov and Charlo, but it's it's the realistic thing. Will we see it? You know, 
I don't know about that. I don't know. But I do hope that Madrid – well, I'm anticipating he'll get a fight here in the fall, uh, early winter, and hopefully it's a quality opponent. Al Heyman might have that that second layer of guys that he may be willing to uh, send one over, you know, that type of thing. We have seen um, a variety of that, not just from PBC and Eddie Hearn, but, you know, when it's a good payday for somebody and it's a good opportunity, maybe, you know, maybe that'll be the case. I'm not saying that's the only one at 154 out there. I'm just saying that, um, well, we, we know Charlo's not going to be next. I mean, if you're calling for Charlo next, it's like, okay, well, why would he leapfrog other people? Um, regardless of what the straps say, you know, the, the sanctions don't say, you know, I don't really care about that. But um, like that uh, Kur- Kurbanov, who's he with? Uh, you know, um, who else? Um, Liam Smith. But that, see, that's probably not going to happen because didn't Liam Smith just sign with? Uh, yeah, he just signed with Boxer Sky Sports, didn't he? I'm pretty sure. Um, just trying to think, like guys, that uh, Carlos Acampo. I know that a lot of people are going to look at that and be like, "What the hell?" But he he hasn't lost, and he's been on a nice streak since then. Um, maybe, you know, I just think rounds at this point against pretty good fighters uh, are, are definitely what he needs. That, that's, that would be a positive for him. Um, but either way, I liked what I saw. Um, and I just, like I said, I hope he gets a fight pretty soon. I mean, just be, you know, I mean, we didn't, you know, he didn't go many rounds here, so he should be able to get a fight here soon and we'll see where he goes. Um, but, yeah, I think just staying in position. Actually, let me check. Where is he in his uh, – in the ratings? Because that would – let's see. I'm going to BoxingSeed.com. They have it pretty uh, you know, easily available. So it is the WBA, right? I think it's the W or hold on. Yeah, WBA. Soro was the, the second-rated guy. Was this Eliminator originally? I can't remember if it was an eliminator, um, but you know, even if it was an eliminator, it doesn't, you know, doesn't mean uh, a whole lot because you know, you have to, uh, you know, you have to get it called. As we know, I think people are starting to really. Uh, I'm seeing more boxing Twitter become a little bit sharper with that. Before it's just oh, but it was an eliminator. Well, hold on, dude. We we don't even know what it was. You know, it's an eliminator. Is there another eliminator or not? Or you know, and I'm looking at it right now. I'm on boxing scene, and I don't see that it was for an eliminator. Um, and none of the other fights were for eliminators either. So maybe I'm wrong, and maybe it's just not here. Um, but yeah, correct me if I'm wrong. But I don't I don't see that part of it. So, you know, I, I, he's number one in the WBA. Obviously, um, the IBF, <laughs> the number one ranked guy at IBF, as we speak, you know, has a, a bit of an issue that he wants to have them address. 
Kim Zhu. It sounds like there's some sort of agreement that they've come to. Fundora is going to be in the mix at some point here soon. Um, so I'm looking at the ratings even, you know, within that realm there. Uh, I don't know. This is Con- uh, dude, Conwell would be awesome. That'd be a great platform. You wonder if they would, uh, if that's something that they do. Um, you know, but that's hmm. that's uh, that's kind of interesting. Now that I kind of look into it a little bit more. Anyway, um, like I said, good performance by him though. Um, and you know, it is what it is. Real quick before we get to the show time. I did watch, not all of it, but some of it. That's the thing, like, you know, if you watch the whole Pro Box TV, then you have the whole zone, which is like a a five-hour stream, and then the showtime, it's just not enough time, unless I do a show on Tuesday or Wednesdays, then I could probably fit in a couple more fights to watch. But I did, so I caught some of the undercard, uh, some, some decent, you know, entertaining stuff. Um, but I did watch the Caesar Francis and uh, Ramundo Beltran fight. And uh, um, Francis boxing on the outside most of the fight. Uh, he was landing some nice right hands, I'd say, for the first two rounds or so. Um, Beltran in the third-ish, fourth round, I thought started to get into the body. He started getting his body work in there. Um in the fourth round, looking at my scorecard here, Francis was jabbing really nice. Um, he, la- he landed a really nice left hook and then followed it up, and it was right near the end of the round. And he dropped him. And I thought, okay, well, let's see what happens after this. Let's see if you can get him out of there. But he was, you know, he was playing it pretty safe, which makes sense against Beltron. I mean, even though it was a long, long time ago, we do remember something I've mentioned over the years plenty with Crawford. When Crawford was going for the knockout, he got hurt pretty badly against Beltron in that 12th round. Um, so he just, Fortuna, or not Fortuna, Francis, uh, that'll come in the fight for you. Francis, you know, he was jabbing, using that right hand really well. Um, you know, the, the round, basically, I'd say the 6th and the 7th, that's what he was kind of back on. Um, just that distance boxing, you did see, um, Beltron start to land more in the eighth round. Some, uh, a couple, a few, at least left hooks. There was a really, there was some good exchanges in this fight. The second half of the fight, um, a great, like a really fun hook exchange in the eighth round, even though Beltron had, you know, landed some earlier in that round. I did think that, um, Cesar won the won the little battle of that exchange. I think he did later too. Um, and you know um, the lateral movement, he definitely showed a lot of. He didn't want to, and he covered up pretty nicely when the, when it you know when the going got tough. But it really didn't much get tough for him. But the scorecards were really close or too close. I don't. I didn't get the scorecards. Um, it's one thing for we've seen broadcast teams, you know pump up fights that aren't that close that's kind of a norm these days but the scorecards to me were like what um but i'll say this you know the pressure that beltron um applied for 
at least the first part of that round, you know, turned it into some action, some two-way action. And then instead of a left hook exchange late, it was a right hand exchange late. Uh, but, yeah, I had it, like, easy for Francis. Uh, one of them, 98-91. That makes sense. The 95-94 and 90, I think it was 96-94, that, that threw me off. It's like, you have this close to a draw? Or, you know, I just, I couldn't see that at all. Like, I'm talking about not even close. I just did, I did not see how they could get that out of that. You know what I'm saying? I, I was shook on that one. I, I couldn't believe it. I was just like, huh? A draw? Like, are you saying you want to see a rematch or something? Like, what? How could you really think? How could you get that out of it? That that threw me off, man. I gotta admit, I, I was a little shook off that one. Um, let's see here. Um, I could start. Well, we'll start with the. We'll start on the the opening. We might as well just go with the opening bout. Frank Martin, unbeaten prospect who, at times, has shown something. At other times. Mm, you know, pretty solid fighter. I don't know if he's going to be much of a standout. That's kind of where I'm at right now with him heading into this fight, really. And I think he kind of showed um, showed some of that, where it's like he did some really good things. Um, other times, he was getting hit with shots where you're like, mm, dude, you keep walking right into that, you know, that type of thing. He took on Jackson um, Marinez, or Marinez. Um, who's a good, you know, good fighter. Uh, he was off a long break. He, he did come in short, you know, on, on the, well, he actually, he was scheduled for this card. So he knew he was fighting that night and that always makes a big difference. But he was, as far as a backup guy, it was a great backup. Obviously. I mean, we saw that in the ring, but it was a really, it was a fun fight. I thought, um, if you look at the first four rounds, um, I favored Frank Martin in probably three of them. Um, early on, it was mostly jabs. He did kind of – like the second round was close. He could have given that to uh, Marinez. Or Marinez. Um, but the jab and the straight left hand, uh, you know, a couple, couple short hooks somewhere in there. Um, but – you know, there was a, a late right hand in that second round that could have sold the round and taken it away from Frank Martin, but I did, even though it was two-way, you know, in spots, I thought the cleaner punches um, were, you know, Frank Martin in round three and four. Um, you know, that's just kind of quick little short combos, like I said. Did start getting to the work, uh, work the body, too. So I thought that was key. I thought that was a real key throughout the fight. Um, but then it seemed like Jackson, um, you know, he landed, I'd say, just a cup, like literally two or three right hard right hands were probably the difference in the fifth. Sixth round, I gave that to him too. Not just the right hands to the head, but his jab. Uh, he was using good defense. He was countering with his right hand, and he went to the body. So I was like, okay, dude. After six rounds, I had it probably four to two. Um, but like I said, that second round was close. It could be three, three. And I'm like, all right, dude, we got a fight here. We got a really good fight. Now, um, in that seventh round, 
Frank Martin started kind of opening up with activity and, you know, landed several hard punches. Um, Mourinho's had his moments, no doubt, but uh, any close strong. Um, I think I gave him, yeah, I gave him the eighth. I thought his jab and right hands, mixing it to the head and body was really well, uh, really good, <laughs> really well. Uh, I think he did that really well is what I meant to say. Uh, and, you know, down the stretch of that eighth round, the reason why I thought it was close is because could argue that Frank Martin landed the harder shots in late eight, and maybe, you know, he stole it off of that. Um, good back and forth in the ninth round, though. And that is the round, I believe, yeah, I'm looking at it right now, where he started opening it up with flush shots and really going hard. Um, a straight left hand, um, a right hook, knocked down, you know, um, in the, like, I think down, like right near the end of the round, right? I think. Um, that's where it's like, okay, Martin's opening up now. Uh, he kind of started with some early combinations, landed, um, I think it was a right hook that actually hurt. I think it was a right, yeah, it was a right, let me look. Yeah, right hook, uh, Mourinho's, and then a huge right hand after that, TKO. Um, it was a wrap. It was over. Um, some people, actually on both of these, I believe some people had an issue with the stoppages. Um, I think it was more the uh, the Figueroa stuff, though, uh, if I remember correctly, because th- that that did kind of end abruptly. We'll get into that in just a second. Um, but you know, it is what it is. Either way, Frank Martin scored the knockout down the stretch of that fight. Um, when you look at the punch stats, one sixty to one hundred six. Definitely started to add up the activity. Uh, 505 to 411, 32% uh, accuracy, which is pretty good, but 26, you know, for Jackson as well. The body shots, though, for Martin, 58 to 30. And I did think those began to, you know, take their toll. Like like that, it happens, right? It definitely happens. So, um, Frank Martin, you know, the, uh, Spence was on hand because he promotes them. And uh, he was talking about how, you know, he uh, he wants him in there with, uh, I mean, he mentioned a variety of people, really. But he talked mostly about um, about Roley. He wanted the matchup with Roley. And then I want to say uh, Chris Colbert, too, who needs, you know, to kind of get back, back on the good foot after taking a loss to Hector Garcia. Um, so we'll see where he goes there. Uh, I did like how he ended it. I think that there's just times where, I don't know, like I said, for the way he started the first four rounds, I thought, okay, this is, he's taking a step. But then, you know, in in the fifth and sixth, and like I said, even that second round, it was kind of like, wow, he's getting hit with some hard shots here, dude. And, And he just doesn't seem like, seem like he just kept, you know, just his body positioning put him he put himself right in position for that right hand it was just i don't know it, it, to me it's just there's something i gotta see more he doesn't have a ton of fights i think he's like 26 or 27 but he doesn't have a lot of fights so 
Um, this was a good fight for him, good learning experience, and he got the stoppage. So, you know, shots out to him. Now, both guys, Castro and Figueroa, coming off of losses. And I thought this was, well, I think it, didn't we talk last week that it was a WBC eliminator, I believe? Um, so I, I like this fight for what it was like, okay, they both got to get, get back. Figueroa coming off a really tight loss, as we know, to Stephen Fulton. He's coming up in weight. Should be fine at 126. Uh, you know, he says he doesn't even want to try to make 122 anymore. He's a big kid, too. He's a big guy. So he's probably going to fill in nicely on this one. Um, but, it, you know, <laughs> Figueroa on the outside in that range, he's going to lose a lot of that. He's going to lose a lot of that when the fight's there. Um, as long as the guy he's fighting is quality, obviously. Castro is. He proved it. I mean, I had him, you know, I had him winning the first two rounds. He was just landing nicely at range. Um, you could say Figueroa did get in. Uh, he got inside, hit and hold him, uh, you know, five or six right hands or whatever. Um, and the thing is, there was several shots by Castro, but I think it was an uppercut. And that probably stole that second round, in my mind. Um, then I thought, and you know, then Figueroa was on it. The third round, he scored a knockdown. Figueroa had a good start, just like he had to had in the you know in the in the second round. But he got off to a good start, landing flush shots with both hands. And I think it was like hooks and uppercuts. It was kind of a weird knockdown where he kind of just fell off, you know. But it, he definitely knocked him down. Um, and after he got up, I mean, flurries the punches to the head and body. Some people were calling it 10-7. Obviously, it's a 10-8. Um, could you say 10-7? Maybe. You know, I, I wouldn't be totally against it. Um, fourth round. You know, it had moments uh, of a close round. I thought Figueroa outworked him. Fifth round, though, and this is this was kind of surprising. Um, Castro won the round, the fifth round for me. Uh Big straight right hands. He, so he's still doing his boxing, right? But and using his angles and all that. But he actually fought really well on the inside in that in that round. And he he hit him with a late uppercut. Um, now Figueroa in the second half did actually, you know, wake up. He landed plenty of flush right hands as well. Um, but I was impressed that Castro was showing. You know, some good stuff on the inside, not just the outside as well. Castro kind of in and out in that sixth round, circling him, jabbing him, nice uppercut. Um, landed with the right hook. And then off the rope, Figueroa was landing hooks. And then about three or four flush hooks, somewhere in that range, he like spun him. Right, he kind of turned them and took over. It looked like, okay, man, Castro's doing pretty good in this sixth round, building off his fifth round after what seemed to be a fight that was he was losing his grip of. And so I did like how he turned them, Figueroa, and landed a couple more shots. But when you see it live, it looked like to me as an early stoppage. It really did. It was like, huh, 
I don't I don't know because the angle we saw it was tough to see how he was reacting to the shots, and I needed to see the replay. Another thing Castro did well with the body. He landed. He outlanded Figueroa, which is kind of mind blowing when it comes to body work. Forty to twenty-two. That, that was kind of surprising. But anyway, back to the stoppage. Two things that stand out for me. One, when the fight stopped, you didn't see one ounce of complaining. Really, you didn't see a complaint from Castro. Which usually, if guys think they stopped it early, they'll complain shit. Sometimes, uh, you know. Fighters will have so much heart that everybody thinks it should get stopped, and they'll still be like, nah, dude, I'm fine. You know, and you're like, nah, dude, you're not. Um, so like I said, when I was watching it live, I thought, ah, oh, shit, they stopped this too early. And if people think that, I'm cool with that, you know. But two things that stand out, like I said, I already went over. A lot of people have, you know, the, the, the Castro just not complaining at all. And another thing is, when you look at that replay from a different angle, and you see the rest angle, like, although he had his hands up and he was defending himself, if you look at Castro close enough, some of those shots were cleaner than you think. And he had his head, not just his head down, like, because, you know, sometimes you just, you put your, you know, you put the earmuffs on and, and you put up this high guard and you just hold on for dear life and try to make it. He wasn't really doing that. Like I said, he was still defending himself, that's for sure. But he was looking down, so basically no longer looking uh, or focused on the punches that were coming from Figueroa. So then when I saw it from that angle, I'm like, dude, he, he literally, you could have your head down, but still your eyes enough to where you're looking, right? I mean, obviously, you ha- you're supposed to have your chin down. We're going to watch Ryan Garcia this this upcoming Saturday, let's see if he can put his chin down. That's been his one of his major problems, his defense and, and keeping his chin too high. So I realized that, you know, especially when you're getting hit like that, you're going to tuck your chin. But he was, he was literally not looking at the punches. So when you have your head down and you are defending yourself, you're not doing a good job of it, and then like three or four really clean shots come and you're you're literally not looking at the opponent or the punches anymore. When I when I saw that view, it did make me go, huh, maybe I'm wrong about that early stoppage. Maybe I'm in between now. And when I see it from the rest point of view, where literally he's not he's not focused on the fucking punch coming at him. I mean, that's not a good sign. And then, you know, compounded by the fact right when the fight was done, he didn't complain at all. So to me, at first glance, yeah, I thought it was early. I definitely thought it was early, but the more I thought about it, uh, you know, maybe not. Maybe not. Maybe it wasn't uh, that early of a stoppage. But either way, it was a very competitive fight. Um, And I thought, like I said, those opening rounds with Castro, the fifth round, the stuff he was able to do on the inside – I was, I mean, look at this, 149 to 150. Uh, now, you know, you, you assume that Figueroa is going to out-throw him. That, that's pretty much everyone he fights, and he did through not even six rounds, 485 to 383. Uh, but Castro, 39%, you know, that's pretty big. And like I mentioned, that, that the, the body work, I kind of, I knew he was going to the body, but then when you look at it, you're like, oh, shit, he really did go to the body a whole lot, so... 
I thought a good showing by by both fighters. Uh, more so Castro because he was the underdog, like a clear underdog. But Figueroa moves on. He got the job done, and uh, he got a stoppage. And that's ultimately all that counts. Um, I don't know how much longer. I'm trying to think of like other reasons, like okay, it was an early stoppage, but I, I guess I don't know how much longer he could have, you know, done that in the fight where you're taking punches and you're not, not even looking at your opponent. Um, so maybe it really wouldn't have mattered anyway. But you know, of course, you never know because uh, well, we're not in there one all the way into the fighter's eye like a ref is. But two, watching boxing long enough, you do see guys that are hurt and come back and win the fight or, or, or finish strong. So, um, but yeah, Figueroa, where will he go next? I mean, will he get the fight we're going to talk about next, you know, with Vargas? Uh, Max Sale would be a good fight. Uh, Leo Santa Cruz, we still don't know what's up with the wood stuff. You know, the last time we heard that the WBA was trying to figure out, um, you know, the, the, the other side, the, the Wood uh, Hearn side, they wanted to try to get a 50-50 split for the purse split. So that was the thing. Like, if they're doing a purse bid, they wanted a better split. So they were, you know, trying to get that. And there still hasn't been a decision on the WBA for a purse split. It's like... How much longer are you going to let this linger on? Let, let's see this goddamn fight. It's already, you know, it's already June 11th, or sorry, July 11th. Like, let's 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 get it going, you know, so we can actually either negotiate or, or purse bid. And maybe, I don't know, we haven't heard much. That's the thing. Like, it's not, I, I guess you could say, well, we haven't really heard much from Eddie, too, who always is heard, so um, I don't know. I don't. I really don't, or maybe Frank Warren. Um, I, wait, does Wood, am I tripping on that? Is Wood, am I, no, maybe it's not Eddie, is it? Why am I thinking, is, does Frank Warren uh, promote? God, I can't remember. Now I'm, now I'm kind of, uh, now I don't remember. <laughs> it's kind of weird, but yeah, I, I don't for some reason. I I was thinking it was, I think it's Matchroom, right? I think it's Matchroom um, with Lee Wood. Uh, I thought he was with Matchroom. Maybe, maybe I'm wrong. Um, but either way, regardless who, who, who he's with or not with or whatever, yeah, he's with Matchroom. Um, it's kind of like, can't the WBA figure this shit out and at least move on so we can see if they're going to fight or not? If not, let's move on. And the reason why I bring that up is because, you know, they have some fights they can do on their side at featherweight, and the PBC has stuff they can do on their side if, in fact, you can't get Santa Cruz and Wood to fight, you know? So, um, Figueroa, Santa Cruz, that'd be a great fight. Vargas, Santa Cruz, that'd be great. Figueroa, you know? I mean, these are all good fights, so we'll see. But I, I'd assume Figueroa is going to, you know, I know he was talking about how he was working on some stuff and he didn't want to get hit that much, but I just, I kind of think he is what he is. He's, and what he's good at, 
he's very good at. Once he gets you on the ropes, once he gets on the inside, which he generally does get in there. I mean, he was able to get in on Fulton plenty. And Fulton's a really good outside fighter in that range fighter. And he can fight on the inside too. So Figueroa, uh, like I said, he is what he is. I think he's a high-level guy. He's got power. Um, and he just has a way that wears down a lot of guys. And he's obviously a really fun fighter to watch. That, that's a given. But, yeah, man, I mean, there's a handful of fights for him. And you can't really go wrong with any of them, really. Um, but, yeah, Figueroa, being at this as a title eliminator, would I like you know him to go against Vargas? Hell, yeah, that'd be a good fight. I don't know if Castro would go loss-loss and then fight Max Sale, but that would be a good-ass fight, too. Uh, come forward against, uh, you know, outside guy. But anyway, let's get into the main event. Uh, Mark Magseo and um, Ray Vargas. And, you know, activity for Ray Vargas, as we know, hasn't been great in recent years. Um, he did have an injury, and he was out, you know, right around COVID time. Um, and obviously, Magseo coming off that big win. Coming off a really big win. Um over Russell. Now, obviously, you know, I keep saying obvious. It's obvious that I'm saying obvious. No, but, uh, you know, Russell was hurt in the fight. We know that. That was really clear because you can just look at his jab. Um, he literally threw like three or what was it? I can't remember the stat. But was it three or five or something like that jabs from like the, the fourth round on? And if you're watching Gary Russell fight, you know he's going to throw his fucking jab. And he just couldn't do it. Um, that's not taking any credit away from Maxeo, just putting it in perspective, heading into this fight. I did have Ray Vargas winning the fight, uh, both prior and after. Um, but it's funny because once that ninth round knockout happened, it definitely changed the fight. Now, I actually, I thought this fight was going to take a while to get going. I really did. I'll be honest. I mean, just the style matchup, Maxeo kind of leaps and jumps and misses with his punches a lot. I really did think that. But these mother effers, and I say that in the kindest way, these dudes were throwing and landing meaningful, meaningful right hands in the first round early and often. And I thought, wow, dude, they are going at it. Um I thought probably the better lands just by a, a, a few were Maxayo. Um The left hand to the to the body I thought landed pretty well, a couple of them um, from Vargas. But I did get Maxayo that first round. But then after that, I mean, I'm looking at my scorecard right now, and the pattern really for me anyway set in. Um, in the second round, jabs, body work, whether it was a, a, a lead right hand or a counter right hand by Vargas, there was a, a like, in the last minute of the, that round, there was a really good left-hand exchange. Maybe that's why people gave that round to Mike Sayo. I don't know. But, yeah, controlling at range, throwing the harder right hand, whether, like I said, it's lead coming right at him or countering, taking a little – sidestep or step back and, and land in a huge right hand using that reach. But he, this is about as aggressive as we've seen Vargas in a while. Um, but yeah, the pattern for me just, you know, every, you know, every once in a while, 
like fifth round, you know, sixth round, whatever. Every once in a while, there'd be a nice right hand or a counter right hand or something like that for Magsayo. But to me, the constant landing, just, just you know, head and body, he, he was just winning the fight to me. Um, seventh round, once again, um, there actually was a head clash in that. Uh, Argus, you know, he's had, what they say, five or six cuts or something like that on his eye. It was a cut. Didn't do a whole lot, though. Um, it was it was definitely a headbutt. Uh, but, yeah, that jab and body work, it just, I don't know. I mean, I did, you could kind of see shades of the seventh and eighth that McSale was having decent rounds. And it was like, okay, he's winning more of these rounds. So I got to give him credit for that. There was a late right hand, actually, I wrote in my notes uh, in that eighth round. And I was like, okay. And I, it's funny, I was just. About, and I saw other people tweeting this, too, because I, I did make it in time to watch uh, two fights, these last two fights, at live. And um, I was just going to say he really needs to knock him down and hurt him and change this fight. I mean, there's just no way around it. And I was literally about to tweet that, and it was just like, bam, he landed the straight right hand. And it was during exchange, right? And... You had Vargas throwing his right hand, which he did a lot through, you know, throughout the fight, to the body. So he was trying to go to the body, and the straight left hand in exchange knocked him down. And Maxayo all of a sudden, 10-8 round, and he's getting back in this fight. Um, another big right hand, which a couple of them that I, I thought won the round for him in the 10th round. Some really fun exchanges. You know, as well, and Vargas landed his right hands too. Don't get me wrong, but he kept like I could see in the first whatever seven eight rounds why you'd throw that right hand to the body consistently, especially as a lead. I could see that because it was landing. But once you got caught in the exchange, you got knocked down from it. He kept doing it, and he kept continuing to throw the right hand, the lead right hand to the body, and he was getting caught. I'm not going to say over and over and over again, but he was getting caught plenty, dude. It, it kind of threw me off. Like Vargas, you know, he's a he's a thinker in there. And to me, it was like, whoa, dude, what, what are you doing? You know what I mean? Like, you're going to get caught. And the 11th round, I thought, was really close. <clears throat> um, a couple of really nice hard lands uh, from Mike Sayo. Uh You know, maybe the cleaner, busier shots, you could give that 11th round to Vargas. I did give him the last one. Uh, both were landing nice left hooks in that 12th round. Um, it just seemed like Magsayo just wasn't all that active. You know, he, he got active, but it seemed like he was leaping too much and missing again. So I didn't give him that last round. I thought the counter right hands, the left hooks, the jab, I gave it to Vargas. So, you know, seven five seven four one eight four. that's what I scored this fight. I did not uh, – I saw a close fight. Seven to five is close. Seven to four, one's close. Shit, eight to four is a good competitive-ass fight. But um, when you look at the punch stats, and this is what kind of stood out, 196 or 176 to 132 um, in favor of Vargas. And 687, 687 he threw to 554. Um, so he remained, you know, in control of the fight. 135 to 92 for power punches. The jab, 64 
or 61 to 40. And then the body work by Vargas, 45 to 13. I, you know, I saw someone today who I respect uh, in this boxing podcast stuff, a podcast that their title was it was a controversial decision that Vargas controversially won. And I have to disagree with that. Um, now, one judge had it, 114, 113. Um, and then the other two had it, 115, 112, meaning, you know, 116 to 112. So, you know, I don't know. I mean, you know, there's plenty of fights that I've scored over the years that you can – it can be 7-5, to five, but it's a clear winner. Damn good competitive fight. I thought Sean Porter and Spence was that. Maybe eight four, but I, I'd probably say seven to five. Um, but there was no like it was clear that he won the fight, but it was damn, it was fun how we got there. And you know, just because a guy knocks a guy down late, what about all the times he didn't, he was missing and not doing much? And, and how many rounds, you know, like I said, that stretch of rounds, like how many rounds could you actually even give him? In that in that stretch where he was winning a lot, I mean, from rounds two to round seven or eight, how many rounds from two to eight can you actually give to Maxayo? I just, like I said, I get, I tried to give him credit. You could see in the seventh and eighth, he was starting to close the gap a little bit. He was starting to land better. He's starting to have good rounds. Whereas those other rounds, it just, I don't know. It just it's it it seemed like a pattern that was set, and it's just too much missing, you know. It's just too much missing for me. Um, when he had the chance, you know, in the middle round. So for me, I don't see anything controversy. I didn't see a lot of people talking about controversial win, um, but it did. St- the reason why I brought it up because it is someone I respect. Like I said, in this podcast world, and just breaking down fights and whatnot. And sometimes when you pick, I don't know his pick in that fight. So sometimes when you, you know, I mean, one of the judges had it. I mean, one of the judges had it for Max Sayo. So I'm not saying, like I said, seven to five is a close fight. But I just don't see any controversy. And for me, it was tough to give seven rounds to Max Sayo. I, I literally, maybe I'd watch it again. I've watched fights before and said, ah, now that I see that round again, that was closer. That'll flip it. Maybe it's 6-6, six, six, you know? And that's fair. But I would I would lean to, like, 7-4-1 and 8-4, to be honest with you. Like, 7-5 is like, I don't know. Anyway, I just wanted to bring that up, and I wanted to get some feedback from some folks. If you thought it was, you know, that close, like it could have been, it was probably a draw to you something like that and that's cool you know what I mean I mean obviously it gets tougher to have a draw when you do have a you know when you have a, a knockdown and whatnot but um yeah it was a really good fight though and overall Showtime triple header I mean it produced it really produced and their last uh what was their last Oh, that, their last one, that's right, it got canceled, technically, their last one, but the last one was here. And, you know, for a co-feature, because um, that was that Fulton 
you know, Roman, which is a great matchup on paper. It didn't turn out that way in the ring, but it was, you know, it's, it's a good matchup. You got two top four guys at the time, maybe top three, you could argue, at the time, um, going at it. But the, but the co-feature, not so much, as we, as we found out. It wasn't, wasn't really a good, you know, for David Morrell. That wasn't a good co-feature. But overall, Showtime, you know, for me, they, for, for most people, uh, that really follow this stuff and do the awards and really take some time to think about it. They gave Showtime the network last year. And right now, boxing's so hot right now. We'll see who closes the strongest. But right now, Showtime's leading the way. But there's still a lot of year left. Um, so that kind of wraps up, you know, where we go there. Well, I mean, Vargas did. I mean, I'd love to see a rematch. That'd be dope. Like, let's say Lee Wood and Santa Cruz do end up fighting. Well, if they ran that back, I wouldn't have a problem with it. It was definitely close enough. I think Maxayo could definitely improve on his performance, especially in the first eight rounds. You know, to me, that's where he lost the fight, is those, those, the first, you know, seven of the eight or six of the eight rounds. I, that's where I thought he lost that fight. But um, I'd be fine with it. Like I mentioned, Maxayo against uh, Castro would be a good fight. Um Whatever, you know, like I, I, if Vargas and Santa Cruz fought Figueroa and Max Sale, that'd be good. Like, there is some mix and matching that they can do here. And obviously, on the other side, like I said, Mauricio Lara before, I think we talked about it last week a little bit. Uh, you know, there, there's there's good fights over there, too, for Lee Wood, you know. I mean, obviously, if you want to talk about a rematch, I mean, Conlon is going to get on his good foot here, but... That, that's fine. That would I'd warn a rematch there for sure in that fight because I thought Conlon was, you know, he was up in that fight. He was doing damn good. And then credit to Lee Wood, man, he came back. And that's still, for me, the knockout of the year. I mean, that shit was crazy going out of the ring and whatnot. Thank God, uh, you know, Conlon's okay. But um, it's going to be interesting to see how this all plays out. You know, I don't like to really give much credit to the to these, no matter who it is. You know what I mean? Whether it's WBC, WBA, whatever, whatever. You know, because we talk about the franchise tag. You know, well that's NFL, but the franchise belt and how that's stupid. We could talk about having too many interim belts for the WBC, uh, just like we could talk about having you know multiple belts, you know, for the WBA. My point is, you know, I, I just don't. I don't like to say, oh, this the WBA has been horrible, but they're all horrible. You know what I mean? So it's they've been around long, so they have more time to be horrible. I don't know, but I just wish they'd make a damn decision on this because you know both fighters already fought, and it's not like they fought you know a week ago. You know what I'm saying? So it's kind of like, okay, dude, let's get this figured out, man. Obviously. I didn't even mention it, but Gary Russell Jr., if he heals up, he's right back into it, you know. Um, so we'll see. WBA right now sitting with two champs, Santa Cruz and Lee Wood. Patrick or Thomas Patrick Ward is the number one be- ranked fighter behind Santa Cruz and Wood, just looking at that. Um, Michael Conlon is fourth on that list. 
Ramirez is starting to come up there. Kanzu, um, I mentioned, you know, real uh, Mauricio Laura. Kiko Martinez had a nice little uh, comeback there in his career. Josh Warrington, obviously, I, I did kind of forget to mention him. After all, he does that. And then Navarrete. So when you look at Warrington, Navarrete, um, Mauricio Laura, you know what I mean? Like on both sides, both both sides can stay active here and make some good fights. They really can. So let's just hope that this shit – get the ball rolling. The WBA is holding up a lot of this stuff. And now that these guys have fought, you know, let's get it going. Let's get it going, man. You know, I, I, I like I said, crediting someone for starting a mess of having two and sometimes three belts in one division, and then they clean some of it up. I can't sit there and be like, oh, man, I'm just bending over backwards, pause, to – to make them, you know, to credit them, it's kind of like, I'm good. You know what I mean? I mean, sometimes you do the right thing, and it's cool, and you get some credit for it. But it's just been so vague on this, you know, this wood Santa Cruz stuff. It's just like, come on, dude. It's a good-ass fight. Let's 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 see if who wins the first bid. Let's see if they can make the fight. If not, let's fucking move on. All right, I, I need to move on. I think I'm. I need to shut up. I'm talking. I'm talking too much when it comes to that. It's over. It's done. All right. So this weekend we do have Ryan Garcia hopping back in. He fought not long ago. Pretty easy fight. So Javier Fortuna. You know he will add. He will add it. You know what I mean. Um. He will. Uh, I never should have started started responding to these during a live show. Well, not never, but maybe to some people I should have. <laughs> uh, but have your first two, right? So he's got some pop at the weight, as we know. Um, early in his career, of course, south pop. But early in his career, it looked like he had more power. Now it does seem kind of like it's pop, especially at this weight class. He's got an awkward style, like I said, with the south pop. Um, and I know he did get hurt. They're kind of talking about it, you know, during uh, an interview recently. His management was talking about how he broke his finger. I think it was in that JoJo Diaz fight. And, you know, that was competitive. That was competitive. You know, I thought so. Um, but the big thing is, like, what does, have, you know, Fortuna have left? And that that's a good question, dude. It's not... Like, it's not like he's been in war after war after war, right? But, I don't know. When you look at it, you kind of forget how long, you know, he's been a pro. The dude's been a pro for a while. So, at some point, you kind of just fall off the cliff, you know what I mean? And and we were just talking about that last week. And, um, you know, he's not in the range of, uh, you know, those type of guys, those, those heavyweights, right? And, and, hey, both of them gave a better showing in many ways uh, than, than we think, you know. Um, and he did, by the way, he did get like – shit, I, wasn't it like a second round or first round knockout earlier this year, Fortuna? It wasn't much. It wasn't much. Um, and the scorecards for that – looking at it right now he has a first rounder so he did get a camp in a first you know in a first round knockout 
Um, Diaz was deducted a point for hitting behind the head. That's right. Um, accidental headbutt. That's right. I'm looking at box rec right now. So 115-112 and 116-111. Yeah. Um, but let me see the, the exact. Literally, I'm looking at it. 2009 is when he turned pro. I mean, that's quite a bit. You think of him as a little bit more fresh than that. That's kind of what I'm getting at. Like, literally, that 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 highlight reel, you know, that that uh, Evan. I think it was Udano or Udale or something like that. We had him on the show, Evan. There were unbeaten prospects at that time. That was 2000, April 2012, that first round knockout. Fought Cristobal Cruz. Like, he's fought some, you know, solid fighters, lost to Franco. Or, no, he had a draw with Franco, that's right, in 2013. I mean, this dude's been around for a long-ass time. And, you know, he got that nice win over Vasquez, that Brian Vasquez. Lost to Sosa when a lot of people thought he'd win that fight. That's kind of when he really started to take off. Ended up losing that fight. Had a fun fight after getting knocked down early against Omar Douglas. Was that, I think that was on Spike, if I remember correctly. But um, Then he had the fight with, uh, and Fortuna was overweight for this. Um, but that Easter fight, you know, a lot of people, the Granados fight, I thought that was going to be good, but there was a, you know, an injury, accidental injury when he fell out of the ring. Fortuna, he just kind of had a, like, he beat Cuellar, but where's Cuellar at that point? Um, So, I don't know. Like I said, he has, he does have a tricky style. He's a little bit of awkwardness in there. Um, But the way, I mean, Ryan Garcia does want to cut the ring off pretty evident and it, and it seems like he's going to worry more about defense or at least being maybe defense just calling it straight up defense isn't actually that accurate but just being more responsible there but he's you've seen him Ryan Garcia I mean we haven't seen a whole lot of him lately but when he has been in there against Campbell and this last guy whatever um and before that he was aggressive like he's coming out to knock you out. That's what he wants to do. That's what Ryan Garcia wants to do. So, and I'm thinking he's going to try to do the same thing here. It just try, you know, I do want to see his chin angle. You know what I mean? Like, really. Because sometimes it's like fighting tank. If you let your chin out like that, dude, you're going to get hurt. Fighting a lot of these guys at the weight class, you're going to get hurt. Um. But the one thing about Garcia, you could say, oh, Devin Haney, Ed doesn't have a lot of power. Loma doesn't have really a lot of power. We can talk about guys. Um, but Garcia has power. I mean, him and Tank have the most power at this division right now, in my opinion. And uh, that's why I want to see that damn fight so much, because I do think, literally, they both have a legit chance to hurt each other really bad. Um, but I think Garcia will win this fight. I don't think that's really going out on a limb or nothing like that, right? Obviously. Um, but it's really more about, you know, he's, I'm glad that he's active. I think that's pretty cool to jump right back on it. He just fought not long ago. 
you know, did a really healthy gate. Now he's back at it. He's going to do a bigger gate probably. So, um, yeah, I got Garcia. I think he'll knock out Fortuna. But I wouldn't doubt if Fortuna is able to land, you know, not just with that southpaw stance, but just in general. I do, I do think that he can land some pretty damn good punches. And I think for a while anyway, I don't know. I mean, Campbell dropped him. I'm not calling for Fortuna to drop him. But I don't know. I just think the craftiness, obviously he's a bet. I just went over it. He's a huge underdog, like plus 600. Um, actually, I did see something in the 400s. Let me double check. This is right, right on plus 500, plus 550, plus 600. Yeah, there it is. FanDuel plus uh, 470. So that's probably the lowest I, I you know I've seen. Um, and yeah, I just I, I kind of like the style matchup. It's kind of interesting. Um, but like I said, I just don't know how much is left for Fortuna. And once he takes like a really hard shot and gets hurt, how much will he just go into prevent mode? You know what I mean? And just kind of, eh, I'm going to try to close this fight out. I'm going to try to just not get knocked out. Um, so on one hand, that could be. The other hand, his defense isn't great. He, he moves his feet and whatnot. That's mostly his defense. He moves his upper body, but, you know, he doesn't have a high guard all the time or anything like that. He's not super savvy defensively, but he can with that left hand and, just in general, like I talked about the craftiness, he can counter, and he does have some pop. So I want to see, really, like I mentioned, how good Ryan Garcia is. Is he a little bit more responsible on that side instead of just trying to go there for a big knockout? Because he is trying to cut the ring off, and he, he seems to be pretty good at it as far as lining someone up to get knocked out. Ken Fortuna at this age. Um, because that's the thing. You know, he, he's been active. You know, sometimes he's a little, he'll just open himself up. A lot of guys that are active. He was active against JoJo. I mean, he threw a fair amount of punches. He definitely needs to bring some of that activity, you know, that's for sure. Um, so, you know, we'll see. We'll see how that goes. But I do have Garcia. I'm looking more like, I've been kind of going back and forth with this, whether it's a mid or late round. I don't think it'll be real quick. Um, and I think that, like I said, the tools and just some of the spoiling type stuff that Fortuna can do. And, you know, he may he may be able to buzz Garcia. Campbell has a lot of power, and he knocked him down, caught him. So um, he could be just enough of that craft, that technique, the veteranship, the the awkwardness, you get the drift. But I, I, got, I got Ryan Garcia, I'll say, 10th round TKO. Something like that. Yeah, we'll go with that. That, that works uh, for me. Um, and then, you know, we'll see what happens after this fight. You know, we'll see exactly what Golden Boy wants to do with this fight or you know want if they're if they're trying to make the fight or not um we'll see if you know the Heyman side 
and Gervonta, if they've already, you know, if they already have something that they're working on the schedule to close the year where they're not even looking at that fight and they're looking at it more towards the, uh, you know, first or second quarter next year, we're going to get a little bit better uh, feel for it. Let's put it that way. Um, but uh, there is uh, Alex Rocha is in the uh, is in the in the I think it's a co-feature ten round fight against Cote Cote Samuel Cote. I seen him fight. That could be interesting. Lamont Roach Jr. and uh, Rodriguez for a WBO Junior lightweight eliminator. Uh, Sandoval and Jimenez for a flyweight eliminator. Um, Diego De La Hoya is back. He's on the card as well. So uh, nothing. I mean, I think that Roach and Rodriguez, that could be an interesting fight. I think those two fights right there, both of them eliminators, the Sandoval and Jimenez and Roach Jr., Rodriguez, take a look at those, man. I think that could be that's an interesting card that has potential to to come back next Monday and be like, that, that was a fun card, like a full good card. So we'll see how that uh, pans out. Um, and then ESPN, and ESPN Deportes, of course, and ESPN Plus, which is, I do want to give credit, I know I've said this before, about, you know, if, basically if you have, if you have ESPN Plus, you have a, pretty much all the ESPN fights. I mean, it's been that way now for a while. It looks like that's what they're doing. Um, way when they, well, not right away, but for what, the first two, three years or something of ESPN Plus. Clearly that wasn't the case. You had to have ESPN to get the fights. And then you could go on ESPN Plus and watch the replay later. But I think that's cool. I think they deserve, deserve credit uh, for that. But, uh, yeah, the main event, like on this undercard, it's, you know, I'm looking at it right now. Floyd Diaz, shouts out to you, he's in a six-rounder coming up. But you have a four-rounder, six-rounder, eight-rounder, Steven Shaw and Bernardo Mar- uh, Marquez. Yeah, I don't know what we're going to get out of that. The third fight to the top is Richard Torres Jr., which, you know, that's a good prospect fight, heavyweight fight. So there's two heavyweight fights on this card. Don't know if his opponent's really going to do much, you know, in that one. Um, this might be a double header. Uh, Raymond uh, Mertala against uh, Jair, is it Valtiera? Valtiera? That could be an interesting fight. That eight-rounder, I think it's lightweight. Let me check. I think it's a lightweight fight, eight-rounder. But the main event, Arnold Barboza Jr. against Danilito. And, and Bar- someone just texted me saying that they heard it's a 10-round fight in the in the co-feature. Huh. Maybe that is. I mean, I'm just looking at it right now, so I don't have – I'm not looking at the official bout sheet or anything like that. But as we know, as far as the main event, that's a 10-rounder. That's 140. And we did think Arnold Barboza Jr. was going to fight Teofimo Lopez. I mean, that that's what kind of seemed like was going to happen. It didn't turn out that way. Got a little herky-jerky in there. He's taking on uh, Dan Lito – or Dan Alito, who's a good fighter. Coming off that win over uh, um, Cano, if I remember correctly. Pablo Cesar Cano. Yep, he is. Looking at it right now. Um, you know, he faced a prospect almost three years ago. Um, 
who was 14-0 at that time. I'm looking at his resume. Dakota Linger, I, I think I saw that fight. I've seen him fight a handful of times. You know, he's a he's a rising prospect. Um, he's 16-0, 12 knockouts, of course, from uh, Puerto Rico. So it's, uh, it, you know, I don't know, man. I, this is an interesting fight. I mean, for Dan Alito, if he wins this fight, he's going to be like top 10. Whereas Barboza is there, he's 26-0, and 0, only 10 KOs. I'm thinking Barboza will just do enough to win the fight. He's not going to knock him out or anything like that. Um, his last fight, last couple fights, but his last, the Tony Luis, he, he won that real clean. Um, the Antonio Moran, or Moran, who, uh, didn't he get, isn't that one, is that the guy Haney stopped? Yeah, he Haney messed him up randomly. That was the distance. He won that cleanly just using his skills. He's a, he's a very skilled fighter. Uh, Sacedo did knock him down, if I remember correctly. Let me look at that. That was a more of a competitive fight. That was a 10-round or two. Uh, yeah, it was the seventh round. And the scorecards, you know, it was competitive. Dave Moretti had a 96-93. Um, so it's, not, you know, Alvar- God, he fought Alvarado. I forgot about that. Back in 2018, that's right. Manuel Lopez, Mike Reed, yep. See, I've seen him fight, hand, you know, chunk like six, seven times. Um, and he's just a good fighter. You know, he doesn't have I, – I see why just the amount of wins he has with some veteran wins, that why he's in the top ten in most, uh, you know, I think he's top – I think he's like sixth or seventh in the ring or something like that. But Dan Alito – he could play spoiler here, and I don't mean like he's going to, you know, like run around on his bicycle. I'm talking about he, he could pull up an, an upset. And it's funny because I was looking at the odds, and it's Monday. So usually you don't have as many odds out right now. And I, I haven't been able to see any of them. I'm looking at what I think is the most handy site, Pro Boxing Odds. They don't have them. I, I Googled it before the fight. I couldn't find any so you know we'll see where we go there but um i don't know i i'm i'm kind of, i mean i'm gonna pick uh barboza for the show right now but when it comes to i want to see what we're looking at for odds on this one that's really what i want to see because and i'm not basing it off a of, dude he just beat you know he just knocked out pablo uh you know cano uh last last September like that was you know I'm not I'm not looking at it from just that angle but he's decent wins together he's definitely you know just starting to try to get proven I guess you could say um you know does anybody have any odds on that let me know um but I I don't see him up just yet so we'll see you know where that goes um I'm actually looking at it right yeah I don't see kind of odds on this fight just yet. Yep, no no odds just yet. But it's on ESPN and ESPN Plus. I wonder, like I mentioned earlier, if in fact they're going to um, put it behind a, some sort of NBA Summer League or something like that. But it is Friday, so 
try to keep note of that. Sometimes we forget about these Friday fights or even sometimes like a Thursday Thursday fight, right? And uh, it just kind of pop up out of nowhere, you know. Um, I think actually, oh, I forgot. There is actually a card. This is a rematch. Uh, Nietes and Ioka. Um, I did forget about that. That's tomorrow, isn't it? Or Wednesday? One of the two. That's right. I almost forgot about that. And this is a rematch from, you know, a, a little bit ago. It's not like it's a brand new fight um, or like, like their last fight. I think it was like, it was a little while ago. I want to say at least three years, something like that. I might as well just check it. Um, yeah, it was, oh shit. Yeah, it was too, yeah, it was closed out. It was a closeout 2018. So December, it was all, okay. It was, that makes sense. It was the Japanese, you know, the Japanese uh, New Year's. They they generally have fight cards. So that was the closeout 2019. And when you look at the scorecards, there was only, it was a split decision um, in, in favor of Nietes. But, one of, you know, one of them had eight to four the other way, but he did win uh, cleanly. I did, for some reason, I just don't remember exactly how this fight went. I, could, I, I was thinking it was next week. Um, but whether it's uh, Francisco Rodriguez or uh, Fuentes, I think he fought him twice. Um, Edgar Sosa, that, that veteran dude. He recently, Nietes, well, not all that recently, um, well, yeah, it, it, it was somewhat recently. Um, had a draw, a split decision draw um, with Jimenez. And that kind of lends me to think maybe, you know, Aoki will win this fight then. Um, funny enough, they don't have that up either. And that's happening soon. So look for that. Midweek cards can be fun. Um Gives you something to, you know, do randomly if, if, if you're kind of bored or whatever. Um, but this could be good. Yeah, he had a he, he beat Fuentes, but they had a draw the first time. And, dude, I mean, he, he's another guy, Nietes, who's been around for a while. We're talking about a Fuentes, I remember this fight, March 2013. Man. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> he got off to, like, a start where he had a bunch of draws, like, this guy is just draw central, but 2003, I knew he had been around a long time, and I knew he had a lot of draws. 43 and one with six draws for for Don Niente. So another Filipino fighter is uh, you know is in action. So yeah, check that card out. It's from Tokyo. Um, I don't I don't know the the live stream scenario to be honest with you. But that should be a good fight because Nietes is obviously aging. You know what I mean? Like really aging. So um, that could be interesting. That could be interesting. I'm going to go ahead and see. Uh, let me see. Hey, Portland, if you want to jump in here and talk some boxing from the last weekend, we had a lot of action to talk about. And then obviously Ryan Garcia coming up. Uh, this week, and let me know. Uh, otherwise, I'm going to, you know, I'll, 
I'll, I'll start to kind of get the news and, and that type of thing. I'll uh, I'll send you a text message too in case you're away right now and that work. Okay, here we go. All right, so we're gonna I'm gonna hold off on some news. Um, someone texted me that Jake Paul got a new opponent, and I haven't mentioned it. That is true. He did get um, an opponent who, uh, you know, Hasim Rockman Jr. You know, that that's the guy. He actually just got stopped in his last fight. But, you know, if you look at he has more experience than Jake, I think it's a, I think it's still a good fight for what it is. You know, like when I say good fight, I mean a good, like a test. You wanted to see Jake against a boxer. Well, Tommy Fury or this guy, I don't know how much difference that is, to be honest with you. Um, if Tommy Fury fought the guy he lost to, you know, what what would, you know what I mean? What, what would happen there? Um, but there is some other news that will get you some fights that got announced, some undercards and whatnot. We will talk about that in just a little bit, but I'm going to go ahead and go out to Sway in Portland, 503. All right, what's going on, man? You're live on Rope Dope per usual. How you doing, man? Mexicano, salimo de guerra. El acero apretado y el rigor. Y en sus centros la tierra. Yo, yo, what up, what up, Chris? Hell yeah, I'm doing good, bro. Uh, we're in the summertime, so it's, it's beautiful out here. But uh, how's everything, Chris? How you doing, bro? I'm doing good, man. I'm doing good. The weather has been really, really nice, man. It's it's uh, just trying to soak it all up before uh, the fall and football comes around, you know? Yeah, hell yeah, bro. Well, yeah, bro. Uh, like you said, like you mentioned earlier, a lot of boxing that hap- has happened, a lot of news. A lot of stuff. Uh, I mean, even even in like uh, not so much of a like big fights going on, but still a, b- a bunch of like moments happen. You know what I mean? Like in in these fights, man. And um, but let's get into it, bro. Uh, I did. Uh, I didn't stay tuned to the Chisora Pulev, but I heard uh, Chisora got that win. I don't know how, but uh, shout out to him. Uh, I, w- I would have put at least some money down on uh, Pulev in all honesty, because I didn't. And I'm not. I'm not I'd never. Uh, I don't know. I'd never believe in Chisora in all honesty. But um, shout out to him for getting the win. Uh, and also, uh, let's, let, I want to get into it, man. Um, you know, I'm not, uh, I'm Showtime, you know, uh, Showtime's good. Uh, so Showtime is the only, is the only app on my, uh, that I have is like, that's like, that I never go on to unless it's boxing, you know what I mean? Like even shows or movies on it. Um, and I, I love that it's like, that I have it for this, for these kind of fights, man. And, uh, um, this was a definitely, uh, a, a fight, like a fight to like, a, you know, a fight to remember in my opinion, you know, in my opinion, all the, the Mexican one to me, you know, that's what I got to say, but let's start off with the, uh, uh, the co-main event, uh, Brandon, uh, Brandon, uh, the heartbreaker, the heartbreaker, uh, Figueroa versus Carlos Castro, uh, Brandon Figueroa got the, the stoppage, I believe, uh, what was it like in the fifth round or something? Um, it was like referee stoppage, you know, I thought, uh, I thought the the his his opponent could keep going, but you know it's uh it was it was in Texas, uh, so I, I you know you can't hit, you know uh Brandon Brandon Figueroa is his hometown, so uh you know he got the win. He looked good. He looked so you know after after his loss against you know a tough loss against uh, damn I forgot his name. Um, uh, good fighter though I forgot Fulton. he you know what I mean. He grabbed his belt. What what's up? Fulton, Fulton. yeah Fulton definitely yeah Fulton. 
forgive me uh forgive me for forgetting too and uh and also uh yeah brandon Figueroa looks good uh so he moves on uh, a nice little win there uh also too i want a, a big big shout out and i want to say that the the mexican anthem um goes to uh mr ray vargas man uh i gotta say bro uh ray vargas man he he definitely uh made me happy over the weekend um this was uh i put some money down on ray vargas not only on uh um, DraftKings but at the at the barbershop uh you know i had to go you know i saw some guy you know talking smack uh so you know saying vargas ain't nothing uh going to uh, you know what i mean uh Going to go, going to, with the Filipino over there, so you know it's, it makes me happy. You know what I mean? In, in all honesty, because I got 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 the Vargas pick right, and uh, and also to it, uh, you know what? Uh, I noticed that Ray Vargas, Ray Vargas, right? His first name, uh, Ray. It's spelled R E Y, which translates to, to King Vargas. So I, you know, I, I just I didn't notice that till now, but I just want to shout out to the King King Vargas man, and uh, over overcame some uh, toughness against a hungry. A hungry, tough ass uh, Maxayo man, and um, uh, you know a lot of people didn't. Uh, a lot of people get, kind of discredited him for his win over uh, Russell. I, I've heard some podcasts where they're like, you know, they, they didn't believe he got, you know, got the nod or whatever. But Maxayo came in here and as as a champion, um, defending. He he was defending that belt, man. Um, he landed some some nice strikes. He he obviously, obviously I thought he did his better. Uh, he had his better moments in the first, like maybe one and two uh, round. Um, and then after that, Vargas was kind of showing some, you know, some toughness with his boxing and, um, you know, even toughness with his chin. Because uh, there was a moment, I'm not going to lie, there was a moment, I can't remember, but he got hit and he went down. And I, and I, can't, I couldn't believe that, would, that didn't get called, kind of get called a knockdown. But hey, it, it favored Vargas. Uh, and also, too, if I can mention, like, um, I didn't know uh, at the beginning of this fight, I didn't know where it was happening until I thought it was in uh, Cali. But then I saw it was in Texas, and I was like, bro, you got to pick the Mexican. Like, there's no way. Like, you know, uh, you definitely have to go for the Mexican in um, Texas. Uh, but Ray Vargas, man, uh, Ray Vargas did it. Like like I said, he did. He, he used his boxing and had a pretty tough chin to, to hold him up, man. Uh, so, man, uh, but, but it was a split decision win. I thought he was going to lose in all honesty, too. I thought they were going to give it to the champ. I did. Uh, and also, too, man, if I can mention, I, I had it even – Going into the tenth round, and uh, I definitely thought that Vargas needed to win those last two impressively, um, and I thought that's what he did uh, for him to, to capture the victory. Uh, in all honesty, because uh, Vargas, I thought you know he it was shaky for him in the mo- moments because he you know he got dropped in that ninth, and uh, you know that one looked shaky on him, man, because he he got clipped pretty badly. Um, also, uh, uh, just uh, you know, shout out to. Uh, you know, uh, I was going to say, um, you know, what's his name? Um, I'm not a big fan of Stephen Espinoza, but, man, Stephen Espinoza did pretty good on this one, man, uh, in all honesty, because this one was a good one. Um, so shout-out to Showtime and uh, the the card. And, and also, too, man, an, honor, uh, an honorable mention, I just want to mention that I'm stoked for the uh, – uh, Broner, uh, Omar Figueroa fight that, that got, uh, announced for the 20th, man. Uh, I thought that this fight is sick, man. Uh, you know, you already know I'm going for Omar Figueroa, uh, over Broner. Um, uh, you know what I mean? Mexico, uh, you know, this, this is tough for both men. So let's see what Broner has. Let's see what Omar, Omar Figueroa has, uh, uh, you know, let's see who, who can come up with a win. So, um, yeah, but I just want to say shout out that one, that, cause that's a good fight. Um, uh, and also too, man. If if uh, after this fight with uh, Max Sayo, I wouldn't mind seeing um, uh, a rematch, an immediate rematch, it being a split decision, you know. Uh, just because you know Mark kind of, you know, he put his, you know, he he gave a, a a really well performance in my opinion. Like he he was fighting his heart out, man. He fought 
Um, so I, I, I believe he, you know what I mean? Uh, he just took a belt from like a reigning champion, like a, like a, a defending champion. So, uh, you know, I, I just think, you know, uh, Mark Sayo does kind of deserve a, a rematch in my opinion, but, uh, in all honesty, I would like to see the, uh, Brandon, Brandon figure, Brandon Figueroa, um, uh, versus Ray Vargas or, you know, uh, Ray Vargas is talking, uh, Leo Santa Cruz. So, you know, that's a good, that's a good scrap there too. So, uh, either, either fight is going to be uh, great in my opinion. So there's no, uh, um, there's no downer for me. And also, too, uh, what uh, this weekend, what we have, uh, Ryan, Ryan Garcia, Javier Fortuna, man. And, uh, you know, uh, let me start off with uh, Alexis, uh, Alexis Roach, right? Alexis Roach is fighting um, uh, uh, Jay Samuel uh, Cody. Uh, you know, uh, I, I don't know too much about Samuel Cody, but uh, I saw that, you know, he lost to, uh, um, what's his name again? Uh, the uh, Blair the Flair, you know. Uh, and uh, Rocha beat Flair, so um, yeah. uh, you know I, I I would I would bet my money on uh, uh, Rocha on this one, man. And uh, you know Mexicano, uh, you know uh, co-main event, so that you know Rocha should look good in this one. Um, and he's coming off that big win, uh, a pretty a pretty good solid win against uh, you know uh, uh, Blair the Flair, you know. Uh, so and uh, but yeah, man, that, that's that's gonna be a good scrap. Um, and also let me get into it. Uh, Ryan Garcia versus Javier Fortuna, man. What can I say about this fight? I like that Ryan Garcia is actually uh, in a fight. Um, you know, you, I saw, I heard you, Chris. Uh, I, I heard you. You have it, uh, Ryan Garcia, but stoppage. I don't believe in the kid. He doesn't have. I don't think he has it. Um, I, I believe Ryan Garcia wins, but I, I, I see this fight you going to distance. He for, for power? He's got the power, but he just doesn't have it in him. He just doesn't. There's. It's, I feel more. He's more of a kind of a complainer than. Uh, a fighter like he's not i don't know man i don't i'm, I'm not calling him a uh and you know whatever an instagram star because i'm you sure. know what i mean uh but i'm calling him like he's not he's not just he's not focused like he to me he's i don't know he's uh he's too busy talking shit online and you know caring about canelo's <laughs> career and and uh, you know what i mean like come on bro like yeah that like, is true you, you shouldn't you shouldn't even be talking shit you should be focused like i love in all honesty i love how canelo has been uh, responding to what Garcia has says, where he says, like, you know, he should just stay focused on his fight and his career, uh, but he wishes him the best. You know, he, he he has nothing bad to say about him, but he wishes him to, you know, success, to be successful. So, but Garcia's just, to me, uh, he's I, he's just a kid. I get it. You know, we've all been in his shoes as a kid. You know, he's got, I mean, the, man, he's got the whole world in front of him. He feels like he's a world champion. I mean, he's not a world champion, but I'm sure he feels like he's a world champion and, and, and goes about it, you know. Um, so, but I just don't feel like he's like, like, I mean, like the, 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 his last fight to go, to go fucking, he, he packed his lunch and, you know, went to, to go, he, he went 12 rounds with to go, man. So, uh, that, that's my opinion, bro. Like it's just Javier, I mean, Garcia obviously went for the knockout in that fight, but it was, it, he was reaching. He didn't, he didn't set things up. He's not a, like a pure boxer, um, He's a puncher, obviously, but he, I just feel like he's he's feeling himself too much. Where he's he's just not focused. Um, uh, but I got I mean, obviously I got Ryan Garcia winning, but I got Javier at least going 12 rounds and and looking impressively and and probably in all honesty, um, and frustrating Garcia because you know Javier's got that you know uh, you know stick and move style, uh, and yeah, but he's a tough yeah. you know he's a tough mother mother effort. You know what I mean? You know what I mean? We saw his fight yeah, with definitely uh, awkward. His, his, yeah, he's, he's definitely like that awkward. Fight. Yeah, definitely, man. So this is, you know, this is a good. This, to me, this is a good scrap. But I just don't see Garcia. He just doesn't have it. Like we all say it, bro. Los, me, los, los Mexicanos, you know, you know when a, he's a real Mexicano, man. And uh, I'm not seeing it in this kid, man. Um, so uh, 
I, I, like I said, Garcia by uh, Garcia by 12 rounds, or even maybe split decision win, majority win. Um, uh, you know, don't count out. In all honesty, uh, don't count out Fortuna. You know, what I mean, Javier Ter, You know, he looked pretty solid against uh, JoJo. So, um, you know, but yeah. Uh, but yeah, man, I I just he was don't really, see, really uh, active just, in that fight, man. He was really, really active in that fight. Definitely, man, and he's actually coming off a good fight, like you know, a solid fight, like you know, um, you know, I, that's just my opinion. But Garcia. He still has a lot to prove, a lot, a lot, a lot to prove, because I just feel he's he does more talking than than showing up. Uh, but I, I, I don't want to, obviously, in all honesty, too, I don't want to throw too much shade on him because I, I know it has to do a lot with his promoter, uh, Oscar de, de La Hoya. Like you know, he's he's a character himself. I know you know it's it's business at the end of the day. He's a star. He's a star. He, you know what I mean? He's this guy's a you know he's a star you know what I mean he's a pay per view star in the making so uh, I get that he's trying to protect his assets and protect his pay per view star so but you know um, that's what I gotta say about it you know but I I, I just hope Garcia you know just shows up and you know man's up and be, be shows a, a true Mexicano in him uh, in 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 this fight coming up so that's that's all I hope that's all I want and uh, so yeah so that, that's pretty much it but um. Uh, but yeah, man, uh, Chris, I don't have uh, too much to say after this. Uh, but yeah, man, and also too, Chris, uh, just uh, like I said, uh, I'm, I'm excited for that uh, Broner uh, Figueroa fight. Like I like I said, uh, like I said before, man, um, uh, I got Figueroa in this one. Always Mexico, man. Uh, shout out to all those Mexicanos. Uh, but yeah, man, Chris, thank you for having me on. Shout out to the Rope and Dope Radio and Viva Mexico, cabrones. There you be. Hey, real quick. So you had that a really close fight going in the tenth round. That that Vargas uh, Maxeo. Oh, My bad, you did hang up. Or no, you didn't hang up. Like you're off. So, because um, I'm kind of getting a mixture of messages of some people saying I actually had it closer too than what what I had it, and then also that they agreed. So it's kind of interesting to get good feedback from it. Um. Let's see here. Um, someone sent me something from pro boxing fans. Eddie Hearn has told us that he has made an offer to Joshua Boazzi to face uh, Bivol. They had an interview with him, I guess. But I kind of, I think I said that earlier, didn't I? I'm pretty sure. Um, this is this is actually from pro boxing fans as well in their interview. Eddie Hearn has insisted that they are not in final negotiations to make the Chris Eubank Jr. versus Connor Ben, and that they're actually trying to make Ben versus Heath Thurman. And you wonder, you know, how much uh, money that is. And I got funny. I got some pushback off that Fortuna Diaz too. And uh, Josue was right. Portland was right on this, and so was I uh, on Fortuna. And I got the I got the numbers right here, and you can sit there and say, well, I thought the CompuBox didn't, you know, uh, count more body shots. That's fine. That's fine. We're just talking about activity. Um, but Fortuna, I'm looking at it right now. Fortuna threw 761 punches compared to 521, and he landed 203 to 193. So obviously Diaz was more accurate, but. Yeah, I mean, I don't think it is this uh, written in stone that this won't be a competitive fight at times. That's for sure. Um, so Josh Taylor in this Jack Catterall thing, he told Boxing Social that he, uh, there's three – well, it's kind of funny. Here's the deadline, three or four weeks. 
<laughs> like, why don't you just say four weeks then? Um, three or four weeks to agree to the rematch. That's what Josh Taylor said. You have three to four weeks to get it figured out, to sign whatever. It, it said he wants it. But then, this is boxing scene, uh, he said, if it's not next, I will do it down the line, but it won't be at 140. I want the fight, this is what he said to I, IFL TV, I want the fight to revisit it, to show everybody up. Um, I want to revisit that bad night for myself, put it right. If it's not next, which is what I really want, I, uh, I do it, I'll do it at some point down the line, but it won't be at 140. Uh, you know, he said, going into the fight, I was just shit. I was crap. Couple of injuries in camp. I came in too heavy. I was, uh, motiv- I wasn't motivated as well. It was just a bit of everything. It was crap. Basically, so he, you know, he goes on to say it's on his side now. Um, he said he made, they made the offer to Catterell, uh, no, not any response yet. I've done all I can do. At the same time, I'm not going to wait around. I'm in a good part of my career. I want to be involved in big fights. I'm not going to pause my career, put my career on hold because of him. He said, get your finger out of your ass, man, and hopefully we can get this fight. Um, so, yeah, you know, I don't know. I did mention this earlier about, um, you know, uh, the WBA calling for Gilbert, Gilbert, Gilberto, Jesus Christ, Gilberto Ramirez, Cerdo Ramirez, um, as the mandatory for Dimitri Bivol. The bout was formally ordered by the WBA on Monday afternoon, with the two sides given until August 10th to come up to avoid the purse bid. Uh, they go on to say Bivol's championship period is conditioned to a term of 24 months and his last mandatory fight was March 3rd, 2018. Um, his next one was to be after March 2020. Obviously, uh, Carlo, yeah, Carlos Chavez, chairman of the WBA championship committee, detailed in a letter sent to both camps, a copy in which was obtained by Boxing Scene. For that reason, he must face Ramirez. There's a new. This is Boogie Williams. He said the new WBC rankings at 147 have Keith Thurman at number one. So we'll see. We'll see. Um, I saw this on Fight Hype. I actually didn't see the interview. I'll just be honest. But the headline. So it could be. It could be something weird. But usually, you know, when it's this, it's, it's real. But he said, of course, it says. Shakur Stevenson breaks news on moving up to 135, puts division on all the smoke notice. I didn't, I, I'm, I'm reiterating, I did not actually see the interview. But the, so I don't know if he's got one more fight, then he's going to fight. I don't know. Maybe that was part of the announcement. Uh, top rank also announced today, uh, time for the take back. Teofimo Lopez will make his junior welterweight debut against Mexican veteran Pedro Campa at the resorts, World Resorts in Las Vegas at August, August 13th, ESPN. Um, and I did see some pushback for this next fight. You know, we had we'd heard about, you know, 
Bam Rodriguez, you know, most of all it was Eddie Hearns. Bam Rodriguez was going to fight Chocolatito, right? He's going he's gonna, to he's gonna try to get that fight for December and all that type of stuff, you know. And, you know, you're a promoter. You're trying to, trying to say it. He told IFL-TV, Eddie Hearn did, he said they might make Jesse Bam Rodriguez in Roman Chocolatito Gonzalez for December. Now, with the recent news, that fight would still kind of be on the table. Um, potentially, and this is also um, Jake Donovan, I'm told that any talk of Bam Chocolatito fight is merely concept at this stage. Uh, nothing formal in place. Both fighters considered the other to be like family. Bam has uh, said he's targeting 112 next. Chocolatito team denies it. So it is what it is. But we did get news today. Jesse Bam Rodriguez will face Israel Gonzalez at 112. It's set for the co-feature for Canelo and Golovkin. Um, you know, in his last two fights were quality opponents, Quatros uh, uh, and then Vasai. The kid deserves just a good fight, not a great fight, but a good fight. You know, uh, Israel Gonzalez is, you know, a veteran-type guy, been around for a little bit. Um, it doesn't stand out as, oh, my God, this is actually going to be a good fight. Um Anaconis kind of ran through him like four years back, if I remember correctly. He did lose a competitive fight to Yafaya, Kalita Yafaya. Um, he did beat Ashida um, in recent years anyway. Obviously, he went – that was that uh, – October. I'm looking at it right now, October 23rd, 2020 fight, which he was somewhat competitive, not all that competitive. With Gonzalez, you know, no big deal there. He did just Jose Martinez. He just had a draw with him not long ago, and he had to fight. He fought a guy that was sixteen and thirty-four. Um, he had a good win uh, his last fight. I'll say that it was competitive though um, against uh, Esbato, I think it's called. But anyway, obviously, you know, it is what it is. Like I'm, I'm not gonna sit there and be all like, "What the hell, dude?" Why didn't he fight this guy? Why doesn't he fight that guy? He's, he's a young dude, youngest champ of the world, 22 years old. And he is going to knock this kid out, I believe. Or this guy, not kid. Uh, Israel Gonzalez. I think he will. He's been stopped only once, though. So, you know, it, it's not like it happens a lot. And, he, you know, he did go the rounds a, a couple years ago with Gonzalez. So, you know, uh, Jerwin is the one who knocked him out. But so the, does the fight, like, overly excite me? No. But then again, it's a great matchup for him as far as he's on the co-feature to, to Canelo. So I see what Eddie's doing here. This is a smart move. I mean, it's he was in a one-sided fight. It keeps him active. They just fought. What the last, yeah, the last Saturday of, uh, yeah, last Saturday of June, and he's already going to fight in September. So I like that part. And is there better fights out for him? Yeah, of course. But you know what? 
He just had back-to-back tough fights. It keeps him active, and who knows? You know, hopefully they can get him a December fight. I don't think it is going to be against Gonzalez, but either way, to have the co-feature, dude, that's going to be a lot of eyeballs. Sometimes you have to let the business take over, and it makes sense. You can't get over the top in your, you know, like just to shit on boxing for some reason. I don't have a problem with this. I know people will, you know, push back some people. Go ahead. He's on the co-feature for Canelo and Golovkin. That's a good spot for for young Bam. Now, this is Kevin Ioli. Not a big fan of him, but hey, Todd DeBuff at top rank. Per Todd DeBuff at top rank, Vasily Lomachenko has contacted the company, and he wants to, he wants to fight as soon as October. So maybe that's the reason why Stevenson is planning to go up, you know, to, to fight him. I don't know. Eddie Hearn told reporters that he's now made an offer to Sonny Edwards uh, for the Julio Cesar Martinez WBC-IBF flyweight unification. I like the fight, but it, it, it's kind of funny. It's kind of funny how that, how he pulled out of, you know, multiple fights, and now he's going to fight that one. But I like the fight. I'm not saying that. He also told uh, Boxing Social, and I quote, Sky Sports are prepared to make a loss, meaning the zone lost out. Sky Sports, we talked about it earlier. Sky Sports pay-per-view is going to carry the Usyk-AJ fight, the, the rematch which obviously was a very strange announcement, you know, like it's just kind of crazy to say I have AJ, to, you know, we have a, a lifetime deal. Basically he's going to be an ambassador for the zone. It's, it was rumored at 50 million a fight. So basically the rest of his career is going to be with Matchroom in the zone only to lose what could be, it, it's the most, well, not could be, it's the most important fight of his career right now. Because those belts are on the line. And if he beats Usyk, that would really put him back like, oh, shit. And obviously, a Tyson Fury fight would be there. Um, maybe there would be another rematch. Maybe Usyk has it. I don't know. I doubt it. But maybe. Um, and, and I don't know. It's just weird. It's just weird. Now he's talking about, well, they're going to lose money on the fight. Well, the zone lose, has lost plenty of money on the I don't know if I get that too, you know, too worked up about, oh, they're going to lose money. And now he also, like I said earlier, has these quotes out saying, well, the pay-per-view market's different now. It's actually, it's dropped now. And now that he's not doing pay-per-view anymore, merely, you know, although he would have had to do a pay-per-view for that one on his own either way. Uh, The last chance semifinals for pro box TV. They just had a card this weekend. They have, uh, or this last weekend on Friday, another Friday card, August 5th, Moran and Dutchover in Castanio, or no, not, what the hell, I gotta go, damn, I thought I remember, it's Fernandez, god damn it, I forgot where the, let me go to the damn schedule, I'll do that in a second, but yeah, I, I like the idea of, these are just like, just decent, could be competitive fights, Cast. Castanilla, that's what it is. Is it Castanilla? I don't know. But either way, Friday, August 5th, the last chance semifinals. Um, we did get a good fight in the quarterfinals in there. Let's see if we can get some good fights here. Um, Castanilla, I think it is. Anyway, um, Lawrence Akogi 
about Eddie Hearn talking about a plantation owner, which, you know, you can say stuff about any promoter for that matter. Let's leave Eddie out of it. But, you know, the plantation thing is it gets over the top because it's like, well, I don't know if I'd really – Although his uh, didn't his yeah his dad a couple of years ago talking to Gillian uh, White was brought up some form of, of that ignorant talk but yeah I just don't it sounds like the way Eddie made it sound that he he got an offer from somebody whether that's Sky or whatever and he's probably going to go there but he does have one fight on his contract but obviously something's up there I don't know. Uh, Manny Pacquiao is set to face Korean YouTuber and, and martial artist DKU or Yo, sorry, in an exhibition fight in December, according to reports in the Philippines. Um, talking about Haseem Rockman, yeah, I mean, so he has he has right around a hundred amateur fights. Rockman Jr. I should say Hasim Rockman Jr. I should say that. Um, he turned pro in 2017. In his first step-up fight, he did get. He just lost by knockout. You know, I I don't think it's I don't think it's like this bad thing. This is Mark Ortega. I saw him tweeting about this too. He said two things can be true. Hasim Rockman Jr. is a step up for Jake Paul. An incredible, incredible opponent for him in, in his sixth fight. B. Hasim Rockman is one of the worst fighters to ever headline a major pay-per-view. Um, yeah, both things, both of those things can be true. Tommy Fury, though, I mean, he dropped the bag again, dude. He, this is his post. I'm gutted and disappointed in regards to the issue I've faced with the entry in the U.S. This is something that myself or my team could have never anticipated happening. This situation has been left with my lawyers as being denied entry to a country is obviously a very serious issue and needs to be resolved. I'm confident that this fight will happen when this issue gets resolved and we can come to a solution. I want to clarify that I will fight in a neutral country that both parties can enter uh, this could be any time, any place, anywhere, because his dad was out there saying that he's actually maybe good as shape, or he kind of kind of made it sound that way, and he wanted to reiterate it had nothing to do with that. But, I mean, I could have sworn I heard a report, and this is me just talking. I, I don't know. I don't remember this 100%, but I thought it happened one time before, maybe not to the U.S., but I think it happened one time before, but it was like a – Actually, did it happen when he fought in Cleveland? I can't remember. But didn't he have a little problem with the visa and then he got it figured out? Or is he just going to be on that 600-person list from the Kinahan stuff that, that his brother Tyson Fury, who's now been denied twice um, to the U.S. of racing? Um, Jake Paul said, I'm confident you are a scared little boy who doesn't want to fight or understand business. I will pay you 500000 to fight me in the U- oh, I will pay you five hundred thousand to fight me in the UK. I will do it shortly after August sixth. You accept? Tommy Fury said I wouldn't get out of bed to fight 
uh, you for 500000 Let me know when you have, are ready to have a serious conversation. It's like, well, dude, you, you know, you, you need to have your side of it too. You got hurt and aren't fighting them. An easy fight that you talk about, and then now you can't get in the country. You could have known that. Anyway, um, that's about it for news. Uh, oh, yeah. Um, yeah, that's about it for news. Oh, here's uh, this guy that's – Comey had an easier time with Mourinho's, as I recall, battered him top-ranked PBC, so basically saying because Frank top-ranked's better because Frank Martin didn't dispose of Mourinho's, a guy who Frank Martin's still a prospect trying to become a, t- a real contender, whereas Comey was already established, but someone just sent me that. So there, I, I read it for you. Um, oh yeah, this is uh, Mannix on his I think it was on his on his podcast. He says, I don't think the zone should be excluded because they've given millions to Ryan Garcia. So, so any network that gives millions, no matter what, they should just, they should, they shouldn't be excluded. It should be a split pay-per-view. I think that's what they're talking about for Chabonte. Um, but remember Ryan Garcia said it clearly that, I mean, beyond saying fuck gold boy, he was saying not fuck gold boy, like really, but Hey, they're not going to be like I'm going to figure that situation out, but I will fight Tank, and that probably means he'll fight him on Showtime paper. Um, you know, we'll see. We'll see if he really means that because he's been talking about how he wants like the negotiations to be live stream, which that's ridiculous. But hey, I like that he's saying it, but it's really just talk. I don't want negotiations to be live streamed. First of all, they're fucking boring most of the time. And we hear enough about negotiations, which I think during the middle of it sucks. I don't think that helps making a fight. But after, if it falls through to get the details of the negotiation from both sides, I think that's cool. And it will definitely get plenty of that. But we will see just how serious both parties are of making this fight later this year. Um... Here's uh, on Twitter, random black guy. This is his Twitter handle. Uh, y'all motherfuckers had, oh, have made a lot of money off Spence and Crawford. This shit is bad. Y'all post clickbait videos with fake insider sources, old footage. This shit is ridiculous. Y'all need to tighten up. Hashtag boxing, hashtag new media looking bad. It's true. I mean, a lot of people have, they got sources for this, they got sources for that. And that, and a lot of it's not shit. <laughs> a lot of it's just bullshit. Um, I still think the fight's going to happen. But uh, and you notice how quiet the negotiations are right now? Now, maybe it falls through. I don't know. But I like the quietness of what's going on right now. Because that usually, and this is boxing, so it ain't going to happen. But that usually means that something's popping off. Something's going to get done. That this fight's going to get made. That's my opinion. And we'll all find out hopefully sooner than later if it's happening uh, later this year. All right, I'm going to get out of here. That's about all I'm going to go with here. You guys enjoy the fights. 
Could be a sneaky Friday main event. We'll see if Ryan Garcia can be a little bit more responsible with uh, his chin not flying in the air. And let's see if he can knock out a tough Fortuna who does have that southpaw style, that craftiness, has some pop activity. Unlike the uh, message that I got, they, they denied the activity of Fortuna. But we hit him with the copy box number, and, and we're just talking about activity. I'm not arguing. A, well, it should have been two. It should have been 194, not 201. I'm not arguing that dumb shit. I'm arguing that he was active. He threw almost 200 more punches than him. That kind of proves the activity. I'm interested in that fight, though. I think it's a pretty good fight. I really do. Anyway, I'm going to get out of here. Enjoy the fights. We'll be back next Monday. Hopefully, like I said, for a good chunk of the summer, uh, I'll be doing these Monday night shows. Every once in a while, it may leak to Tuesday. There's some vacation time coming up. I may do it on a Sunday night. Anyway, just uh, keep, keep, I'll keep you posted. Peace. Once you become the world champion, I believe that you feel you have the upper hand. So now, when, as you fight, let's say you fight for five years of straight survival, of the bullshit, of the whole bag, and when you become the world champion, you're like, you know what, I made it. I will show you.